Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Well, we are on week three of Margin. This is our our annual Sabbath series. We never have the same theme, or at least we haven't up to this point. But every year during the month of July, we declare it as our month of Sabbath here at Destiny Community Church. Coming out of a very busy season, we realize that we need a break. We need a rest. And so on Wednesday nights, we give our, all of our children's workers, children's teachers, we give them the month off. We do some family activities. And like I told you earlier, this coming up Wednesday night, um, we are having our family movie night. So don't forget on your way out to to grab one of the kits, one of the free kits that we are giving away. And, uh, and, and so throughout this month, we are encouraging you to create margin in your life. And it can't just be for this month. Uh, although this month you can create some great habits in your life. One of the things I haven't mentioned, and I usually do this every year, is that it, it's important for you to, during this month, now listen close to me, during this month, don't work any extra overtime. And I know some of you, some of the guests in the room, they're like, you've lost your mind. And, you know, listen to me. God can do more in your downtime than you can do with your hand to the plow. And you've got to learn to trust God. And that's what Sabbath is about. Sabbath is about saying, God, I'm not working like it depends on me. I'm going to work the necessary hours in order for, for this to happen. But I am going, uh, you know, in order for me to keep my job. But I'm going, God, right now. I, I'm going to put this in your hands. And so I've asked you, there in years past, and I'm asking you again for the rest of this month, don't, don't pull any overtime. Trust God. Do the necessary hours to keep your job. And then, and then go home. Spend time with those that matter the most to you. And, Spend time with your friends and your family members. Amen? amen. <laughs> That's about a half-hearted amen. You're like, sorry, sorry. Got after, after hours appointments all this week. Pastor, I'm not counsel, counseling them or canceling them. And so um, you, you do what you need to do. But I'm just telling you, God will bless when you learn to honor Sabbath. The first week of this series, I told you that margin is the space between our load and our limit. And we need margin in our finances, we need it in our schedules, we need margin in our workload, we need margin in our emotions. And margin, margin does, just doesn't happen. You have to fight for margin. If you want margin in your life, you're going to have to be very intentional about that because everything in our society and everything with the busyness of our lives says you have no margin and you don't deserve any margin and you don't need margin. I'm not saying you deserve it. I'm saying you need it. We need margin in our lives. And margin doesn't just happen. You're going to have to be very intentional. You're going to have to fight for it. And Sabbath helps us fight for margin. When you take a weekly Sabbath, when you honor God's commandment and you take a weekly Sabbath, it helps you fight for that margin. And, and I told you that first week, strong words, but you are selfish in whatever area you do not create margin. That's, that's between you and God, but I'm letting you know you are selfish in whatever area that you do not create margin. We need room in our lives for God to move, for God to do some amazing things. Last week, I was in, in Colorado, and Pastor Andrew explained that we are stuck in a vicious cycle of we want more, work more, get more. Want more, work more, get more. And, and, and the cycle never ends. And he said that the cure for this addiction is margin. He said Sabbath is in direct opposition to wanting more, working more, and getting more. He told us that in order to gain margin in your life, you, you may have to say no to some people that are demanding your time. And it won't make you popular, but yet you may have to do that. And he said it's better to disappoint people and please God. There's an interesting verse that I stumbled upon the other day, and it's not necessarily my, my text for today. As a matter of fact, it's not my text for today. 
But I stumbled upon this verse the other day, and I thought, I'm going to share this. Because uh, I'm not, I'm not going to prepare a sermon around this, but I want you to hear this. Because I think it speaks volumes as, as to what happens on Sabbath, on the Sabbath day. And, and what is about to transpire here this morning. So, so listen to this verse, and I want you to receive this. It's, it's Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10. It says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. We know that the book of Revelation is a, a very confusing book at times. It, it, it has a lot to do with the end times. It has a lot to do with visions that John on the Isle of Patmos was seeing as he was exiled there. And, and there's things that just don't make sense to us. We don't understand sometimes what was reality that he was seeing and what was symbolism for what is to come. And, and I'm not going to lie to you. It is a very, very confusing book unless you are diving in and studying the end times. But all of us can agree that the book of Revelation is just that. It is revelation. God gave him something that no human had seen before. As a matter of fact, there are symbolisms throughout that that I believe, I believe John saw rockets going through the air. I, I believe that, that John saw the internet before, and I know some of you are looking at me like I've lost my mind right now, and I probably have, but I believe that the World Wide Web is, is there in the book of Revelation. And I believe that the only way that all the world will see what's happening as he describes will be because of, of the, the, the World Wide Web. I think that's, that's it's prophetic. And I think John was seeing those things, did not know how to describe certain things that he was seeing. But all of that happens because of this verse, verse 10 in chapter 1, where he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. We know that the Lord's day is the Sabbath day. And revelation is revealed on the Lord's day. New insight comes to us on the Sabbath. We've, we've had this happen many times in our lives. I've had it happen. You've had it happen where you've been sitting there on, on the Sabbath, sitting in church, and suddenly there is a, a passage of Scripture that you've heard before, but you've never quite understood it, or at least you never understood it the way that you understood it that day. And it's because you, you were in the Spirit on the Lord's day, much like John. And, and you have to put yourself in those situations in order to, to gain that knowledge, to gain that revelation. So in order to get that revelation from God, in order to get that knowledge, to get that insight, you have to be in the right place at the right time getting the right word. And when all that lines up, God reveals something to you. And here's what I believe is about to happen today. I believe God is about to reveal something to someone today that's going to save your home. I believe God is about to reveal something to some of you today that is going to save your life. Because you are not healthy. Because you have no margin in your life. And God is about to bring revelation. You're in the right place at the right time. And you're about to get the right word. And the margin that you created in your life by being here today is going to reveal God's word to you. Amen? I just want you to say this. Just say, I received that. Just say, I received that. Amen. I was ready to shift gears this morning. I, I really was. I, I've been excited about this series and, and I had every intention today on, on switching gears and going in another direction. 
But as I was studying this week, I just felt like God kept, kept leading me in, in this direction. And it's kind of in the same vein of where we've been, but, but I, I just did not feel released to move away from this and to move in that new direction. Well, we may next week, but we'll see. And, and last night, I strongly felt like God had a word for someone today. And so I very humbly and carefully want to share this with you. And, and for those of you that you know, and the conviction of the Holy Spirit is already hitting you right between the eyes right now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen to me. Just please listen to me. Because I believe the Holy Spirit is knocking on your heart's door right now and giving you some warning before it costs you your marriage and before it costs you your life. Last Thursday, Pastor Andrew and I spent most of the day traveling to Colorado Springs, Colorado. We were, we were going out to a church, a mega church called New Life Church, and one of their executive pastors agreed to meet with us with some programming that we're interested in and in, in doing here at DCC. And, and so when an opportunity, opportunity like that knocks, you, you need to go. You need to go. You, 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 you've got to take advantage of that. And so we set this up a few months ago. And, uh, and so we flew out there and we spent all day Thursday traveling uh, from Orlando to Denver and then, and then driving to Colorado Springs. And, and just most of the day was traveling. Now, once you hit Colorado, it, it's different, okay? Traveling is not as much of a chore as it is driving from here to Orlando where you're just looking at, at flat land and trees. Our drive from Denver to Colorado Springs is one of the most spectacular things I've ever witnessed in my life. And, and, and so we got a good night's rest on Thursday night. And all day Friday... We met with this executive pastor, and he, he showed us around the buildings at one point, and, and, but most of the day, we were just sitting there taking notes and just letting him just pour into us, trying to get, wrap our minds around this programming. And then Friday night, we attended a, a church service, a Friday night church service they have there. Um, and then on Saturday morning, I wanted to meet again and to, to, for him to answer any questions that we had. So we had it set up ahead of time that we would meet on Saturday morning and, and up until around noon. And then, and then I would have to take Andrew back to Denver to the airport for him to fly back to be here with you on Sunday. And so Sunday morning, I wake up and, and I go to two morning services at this church. It, it's, it's a huge church, and, and I don't have time to get into the details of it right now, but some of you will remember New Life Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado, because they had a shooting there about 10 years ago. It's a devastating event uh, where a number of people were injured and two teenage girls lost their lives. And, um, and, and so there's so much happening there at this church, and, and just to be there and be a part, and just to see them thriving right now um, after tragedy, it, it, it was an amazing experience for me. So I'm there for two morning services, just like us, identical services, same songs, same message, you know. And, and so I, I sit in one section uh, for one service, and then I sit in another section in the second service and just trying to, you know, get a different experience. And um, it was pretty much the same experience. I was just looking at the back of the speaker instead of the front of the speaker. But, but yeah. Um, and so after service, the executive pastor and myself, we went out to lunch. And, and after we had one final meeting together there at lunch, um, I went back to the hotel. And, and I'm, sit, sit, I'm standing there looking out the window of my hotel. And I call Andrew on the phone. I wanted to find out how services went here at DCC. And as I'm on the phone with Andrew, this is my view that I'm looking at out of my window. I'm looking 
at Pike's Peak. And Andrew's telling me all about the services, telling me everything. And this is what we would wake up to every morning and look out. And, and so I'm done. I'm done. The next morning I'm flying out. And, and, and so I'm, I'm just standing there talking with Andrew. And just out of my mouth, I said, Andrew, I'm about to, I'm about to drive up to the top of Pike's Peak. I had not thought about that at all. But I said, I'm about to drive to the top of Pike's Peak. He went, you should do it. You'll regret it if you don't. Now, here's what you need to know about, about me and Andrew. We're both scared of heights. But he's on a phone hundreds of miles away from me in Florida at sea level. And he's telling me, you should. You should do it. You, you're going to regret it if you don't. And I said, I am. I am. Man, you need to do it. I'm telling you, I'm going to. Yeah. Man, you need to get in the car. You need to jump, drive up there. You need to do this. I'm going to. I'm telling you, I am. I am. The next time I come to Colorado, I'm going to do this. <laughs> so I hang up the phone. I jump in the car. I know. I look at my fuel gauge. I've got like eighth of a tank. And I'm like. Mama didn't raise no idiot, you know, I'm, I'm going to go fill up. So I, I stop at the gas station. I call Mandy. I said, Mandy, I'm thinking about driving to the top of that. And I can tell she got a little nervous too. And um, there's snow up on the top of it. And she knows I'm not good in driving in snow. I've had some, some close encounters with death driving in snow. And uh, I can tell she's a little nervous. She was like, just, just call me and let me know for sure if you're going to do it. I knew at that moment I was going to do it, but I didn't want her to worry too much. And so... Um, hung up the phone and I, I start driving. I go through their, their little guard shack they have, pay my money. Yeah, you have to pay to drive to your death. And, um, and so I, I get in, in the car and I start driving up this mountain. And at first it was scary because the incline is steep. A and then it levels off and you're going through the Pike National Forest. And then you get to the, like the last five, six miles or something where you're above the trees and in the clouds. And, and this is what I saw right here as I'm white knuckling at 10 and 2 and I start realizing there's, there's no guardrails. They told me to turn the air off in my car because your car could overheat driving up. So I've got, I've got the windows partially down the air is thin at 14,110 feet above sea level. I feel like I'm about to pass out. There's nothing funny about this at all. And, and you're laughing. I'm having a hard time breathing. And I, here's what I think to myself as I see this. And yes, that's ice and snow beside me there. And, um, and, and for those of you that are worried right now, and I'm going to get emails like, you should not have had your phone out. I had my phone clipped on the dash, okay? And it's, I took this from a video that I was driving up the mountain, so save your emails, okay? <laughs> There's no way I'm holding a phone driving this, okay? I'm, I'm, and I am scared to death, and here's what I think in my mind. I'm gonna pass out from this altitude, and I'm, I'm just gonna drop, my foot's not gonna come off the gas, I'm gonna drive right off the side of this mountain, and they're never gonna find me in the Rockies, never. They're not even going to attempt to look for me. I'm just going to land on a pile of cars that they just left there. That's what's going to happen. To tell you that it was one of the most exhilarating experiences of my life is true, but it was also one of the most terrifying experiences of my life. 
You know, there's something about the guardrails and there's something about the margin that, that normal roads seem to have sometimes. But on that mountain with less margin, I had no room for error at all. I was focused. I was like, God, I, you know, I cannot take my eyes off this road. And I cannot tell you how thankful I was to finally get down from that mountain and onto a road with more margin, something with more room for error. Margins in our lives are safeguards. There are guardrails. That's what margins are. They're guardrails. And with proper margin, we've got room for error, church. We can make little mistakes when we have margin and they don't cost us everything. I was talking with a friend the other day and he was telling me that things were really bad at home. And he was telling me that um, his wife was extremely ticked off at him in that moment right then. He said, I'm going home and, 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 and she's ticked off. I said, why is she ticked off? He said, because yesterday on my way home, I forgot to stop by the grocery store and buy something that she needed. To which I, I said, you live right next door to a grocery store. When you got home and realized you didn't have, why didn't you just walk next door and, you know, get what you needed or drive, drive next door and get what you needed. And he said, it, it's, it's not that easy, man. It's not that easy. She was already ticked off and, and it was just going to go bad to worse. There was nothing I could do to make it up. It wouldn't have done any good. And the truth is that their marriage was already in shambles without margin. And every little mistake explodes into war. I'm speaking to somebody right now. The reason why your marriage is a time bomb waiting to explode is because there's no margin. There's no room for error at all. We have margin. We've got that room. We've got room for the little mistakes that you make in life. I'm not asking anybody here to be perfect. I don't think God's asking us to be perfect. But without margin, we make the kind of mistakes that they, it, it cost us our jobs. Those mistakes will cost us our marriages. And, and if we're not careful, it even cost us our families. We need margin. And God has got this divine plan in our lives that helps us evaluate weekly. That we work six days. And on a seventh day, it's a commandment. It's one of the Ten Commandments, not a suggestion. He says, on that seventh day, I want you to observe Sabbath. I want you to keep it consecrated. I want you to keep that day holy. Because on that day, we are allowed to evaluate our lives. And when we observe Sabbath properly, it puts margin back into our lives. And God commands us to observe that Sabbath. He wants us to stop and rest for 14% of our week. That's what a 24-hour period is. It's a 24-hour period in your work week is 14%. 14% of your week. And during those 24 hours of, of, of Shabbat, we are able to connect with God. We're able to connect with family. We're able to connect with friends. And if there is a hindrance in our lifestyle or what Star Wars fans would call a disturbance in the force, you know what I mean? If there's a hindrance in our lifestyle that gets in the way, Sabbath allows us to add margin back into our lives wherever that area or whatever area is suffering. 
That's a big part of Sabbath. And we see these physical margins of protection all the time. Some of us, we build fences. We have fences. Our backyards are fenced in. Uh, Maybe it's to protect your dog or to protect your children. Or maybe just to protect your privacy. Whatever it is. But we have fences. We build walls because those are margins of protection. We have moats around our castles. Anybody else have a moat around your castle? No, no, just with all that rain yesterday, you probably have a moat around your castle right now. We see signs, signs everywhere. Do not enter. And these signs create margin for someone else to exit out of there. We see signs that say one way and they create margin for traffic going in one direction. We see signs that say men's restroom or women's restroom. Unless you're at Target, then it's anyone's restroom, depending on how you identify that day, right? No margin. And those margins are there to create boundaries of protection. And without them, life becomes crazy and it becomes very chaotic. Exodus chapter 18. Exodus 18. I'm going to start reading at verse 8. There's a conversation that is taking place in Exodus chapter 18. Between Moses, we know him as the liberator. He is the man that God would use to bring the Hebrews out of bondage, out of of slavery in Egypt. And after he has brought them out of Egypt, he runs into his his father-in-law, Jethro. Not the Beverly Hillbillies Jethro. Totally different Jethro. He runs into his father-in-law and they start having a conversation. And Moses tells him all that God has done. And how God has brought liberation to the nation of Israel, to the Hebrews. Verse 8. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake. All the hardship that had come upon them in a way and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel. And that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. So, so he's rejoicing. Pharaoh is, re- I mean, uh, uh, Jethro is rejoicing with Moses. Now listen to what, what happens here in verse 13. The, ne- the next day Moses set to judge the people. And what he means by judge the people is he's, they're bringing their problems to him and he's giving them decisions. Somebody's got to be in charge to keep some kind of civilization there. So the next day Moses set to judge the people. And the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone? And all the people stand around you from morning till evenings. And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another. And I make make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. 
Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. Jethro told his son-in-law, Moses, that he needed to create margin in his life, some space in his life. He warned Moses that burnout was inevitable if he did not, that you're not going to make it, that this load is simply too much for you to bear. You cannot do this. And when you look at this nation that is wandering now through a wilderness without a home, you start to understand a little bit more when you realize how many people were there. The Bible says that there were 600,000 men, not counting children. It doesn't even mention the women at that point. It is estimated that there were somewhere between 2.5 and 3.5 million Hebrews that left Egypt. Now Moses is the man that single-handedly is leading these people. And, and, and from the moment he wakes up till the time he goes to bed, they're bringing their problems to him. And it is a never-ending cycle. Day after day after day, he is having to judge. He is having to decide cases between these people. Trying his best to point them in the direction. Listen, he's a godly man. He's trying to show them what God wants for their situations. Trying to, to, to line them up with God's statutes, with God's laws. And he's trying his best to do what he knows to do. And Jethro says, you can't, you can't function like this. There's no margin in your life. You are going to burn out. You'll never last. You'll never make it. Why was Jethro sharing this with Moses? He was sharing it because we put boundaries around the things that we love the most. This is about to become very convicting right now. Because I know what it's like to put boundaries around the things that I love the most. And not put boundaries around the things that I should love the most. And I can assure you, you've got safeguards, you've got, you've got guardrails, you've got space, margin around the things that you love the most. And if you love your job more than you love your family, there is more space around your job to protect your job than there is to protect your family. Because you will always put boundaries around the things that you love the most. In my office, I have some sports memorabilia. Now, there are alarms on our offices, so if you go to break in to our offices, you're going to get called, okay? And um, I may not show as much grace as God would in that moment, okay? But in my office, I have some sports memorabilia, and, and, and one of the things that I have, I have a, I have a Danny Werfel signed um, lithograph, and I also have a Danny Werfel signed football, you know, Heisman Trophy winner, and, and so I have that. I have a Billy Donovan signed basketball from when he was coach of the Gators, um, I have an Urban Meyer signed football. At least he said he signed it, but who can trust him, right? Um, <laughs> the only Ohio State fan in the room, yeah, says he can trust him. But my most prized possession out of all of the sports memorabilia 
that I have in my office, the most prized possession that I have is a jersey. And let me tell you how I acquired this. It was at our 10-year anniversary service. We were, we were probably 30, 35 minutes away from starting that service underneath the big tent at, at the, the new church property out there. And, and one of our missionaries was there. And she walks up and she hands me a, a, a box. It's not a fancy box. It's just a box. No design, no print on the box, but there is a bow on the box. And she says, Pastor, happy anniversary. We're so thankful what God has done, you know, with you and through you here at Destiny Community Church. And, and me and my husband, we wanted you to have this. And so she hands me this box. And I said, thank you, thank you. It's good to see you. I hug her neck. And I start talking with other people. And I realize I'm carrying this box around. And, and we're, we're out there. We, there's no buildings out there. We're under a tent. It was hot as all get out. And so... I take the box and I, I take it to my Jeep and I, I just put it in the front seat of my Jeep. We go through the service. We, we, we you know, I preach. We, we do the groundbreaking. We do all that. At the end of the day, after everything's said and done, we're tearing down equipment and all that kind of stuff. And it was, it was hours later that I finally get in my Jeep and I drive to the church office. And, and when I get to the church office, I, I realize, oh, there, I might as well just take that inside. And so I, I get in there and there's nobody else in the office. It's just me. I sit down at my desk and I'm just like, I'm wore out. I mean, it's a long day. And I'm like, oh. I break the tape on the box and I open the box. And when I open the box, I went, oh my Lord. <laughs> because it was a Larry Bird autographed jersey. What? A Larry Bird autographed jersey, yes! And then I became very terrified. I'm like, what do I do? And I'm telling you, I couldn't get that jersey to the frame shop fast enough. And, and they're like, sir, we will have to order the frame and all that. You can just bring it back. No, no, I don't want it. I don't want it. You keep the jersey until it's framed. And when it's framed, then I will take it back with me to my office. But I cannot, because... We frame, we, we put boundaries around, we protect the things that we love the most. And I love Larry Bird a whole lot more than I love Urban Meyer. <laughs> whole lot more. And the church said, amen. Amen, amen. amen. Listen to me, you will put boundaries around the things that you love the most. You may not realize that you love it the most, but the things that you are willing to protect with margin are the very things that you love the most. And God does that to us. Through a Sabbath mindset, he surrounds us with margin that protects us. And the only way that you get to create that margin in your life is if you are practicing Sabbath so you can reevaluate on a weekly basis. And we are taught to do the same. We're taught to, cre to create that margin. God does it for us and then we're taught to create it. Physical, spiritual, and mental margins are the protective boundaries that we place around the things that matter the most to us. And these boundaries, they will define your soul. They define who you are and what you are. Because if you're an honest business person, margin defines that. It does. You will have margin in your practices of business. If you are a good father, Margin tells that story because you've got time with your, with your kids. If you are a good husband, if you are a good wife, margin displays that because you're not too busy for your spouse. And these boundaries define what and who we are and who we're responsible to and who we're responsible for. 
Margins are the fences that protect and serve what we care about. And without margin, we risk losing the things that we care about. Or at least what we should be caring about. When we value our friends, we will put margin around those relationships. When we value our children, we will put margin around the time that we spend with them. When we value our spouse, we will create margin in our marriage. And when we don't put margin around these things, we devalue them. And without the boundary of margin, we will make severe mistakes that will, that will bring harm to what we should have been protecting the whole time. And the problem is this, is that margin feels so restrictive. More men have a problem with this than women, but, 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 but it's epidemic. It, it, it's in society today. But we have a hard time sometimes creating margin in some of those areas because it feels so restrictive to us. And I, I guess in a sense, it is restrictive. I told my, my wife the other day that the last two months, or the last two years of our Sabbath month, July of, of 2016 and, and this year, July of 2017, have not felt very restful to me. I know our church is larger than it's ever been. And, and I know that with that comes problems. And listen, you have to go to work. Just, you know, and just like you have to go to work, I have to go to work. Just because it's a, a we call a month of Sabbath, there's still things that's got to be done, right? And, and I told her the other day, I said, like last year, it doesn't feel very restful to me. But truth be told, that's what Sabbath does. Even though Sabbath is a time of worship, it's a time of rest, once you slow down, Sabbath begins to reveal problems that need attention. And it's part of God's plan. It's part of God's design because those things are now highlighted because now you've, you've slowed down long enough to where you can see those things. And so Sabbath begins to bring to the forefront some of the things, some of the problem areas that need attention because margin reveals What's wrong? Proverbs 29 and 18 tells us this. Where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. Listen. Where there is no revelation, where there is no vision. Remember what I told you happens on Sunday mornings? Remember what happens on Sabbath? New revelation is revealed and, and without the revelation that margin provides, people cast off restraint. They run wild without boundaries. You want to know why some people, why their marriages are in trouble right now? Is because they run wild without any boundaries, without any margin. So margin is restrictive. I'm not going to lie to you. It is restrictive. Margin will keep you from doing things that your flesh craves. It restricts your flesh. Your flesh longs for success no matter the cost, but margin restricts you from paying that price. Your flesh wants to pout. Your flesh wants to gripe. Your, your flesh wants to complain. But margin keeps your emotions in check. It restricts them. Your flesh is gratified by the attention of another man. Your flesh craves another woman. But margin puts the flesh in its place. And that's under your feet. Not to be controlled by it. But margin that comes through Sabbath... It puts all of that in order for you. With margin, I limit the magnitude of my mistakes. I came down off that mountain, and my hands, from gripping that steering wheel, were actually beginning to hurt and cramp. And I came down off that mountain, and I just pulled off the side of the road, 
And I just relaxed. Caught my breath. Some of you are thinking, man, he is dramatic. <laughs> yes. I saw my life flash before my eyes numerous times. I actually thought, man, are they going to have my funeral in the middle school? We don't even have a church yet. They're, they're building our church. Where, where's my funeral going to be? It, crazy things go through your mind when, when you have no guardrails going up a mountain. For the past few days, I've been stressing over the close of this message. If you know me, you know that I'm a very transparent person and that I like to, to really just throw my life out there and let you know, you know, the times I've, I've messed it up. And, and I thought, God, I need, I need that closer. I need it. Lord, if, 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 if I, you know, I have them right here, Lord, and, and, I, and I just want them to walk out of there just. And I thought, well, maybe I could share with them, you know, about a time when when I lost a job because of a lack of margin, or I lost a promotion because of a lack of margin, or the, the time that I was tempted to cheat on my wife because of a lack of margin. But the truth is, none of that's happened. And God spoke to me and he said, please listen to me, I very humbly say this. Well done, my good and faithful servant. My family knows. I create margin. Because I value my wife. I value my kids. And I value this church, my career. I do. And as I racked my brain trying to figure out what is that closer, I just felt like God wanted me to tell you that it's possible because I've done it. Putting margin in your life, it gives you more room for error, but you don't make the big mistakes. It gives you room to make some little mistakes and when you make those little mistakes the Holy Spirit begins tugging at your heart and telling you that's not the direction you want to go my staff would tell you I do a lot of counseling a lot of counseling and when I meet with someone of the opposite sex I intentionally had windows put in every office door there are windows with no blinds and when I, they, they can see me sitting there and they can see me meeting with someone and I, I, I want them, I want my office staff to walk by numerous times and I will not meet with the opposite sex if nobody else is in the office. I, I want that accountability that's, that's creating margin. Safeguards, guardrails. And you've got to have this stuff in your life if you're going to succeed in this life and live a godly life. It's possible. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.